thank you to the media team who's working to make sure that this service goes well. This week I had an incident with my computer. Don't you love and hate computers at the same time? We're not supposed to hate things, but if there's something that I can hate, okay, uh, young people and children are dismissed. It, it, it would be computers. And so I had an issue with my computer. And uh, Wednesday I was here and, and Joshua had to do some stuff in, with my computer because whatever was going on here with the network. And so Thursday when I went to start preparing for today and to do things uh, for today, my computer wasn't working at all, at all. And, and um, I'm complaining to the kids and they're like, well, mine's working. And they had no issues, but I had issues. It said that I had internet, that I was connected to the internet, but apparently my computer couldn't reach the internet. So I did what every person would do. If, it, if the message came up on your computer, it could not reach the internet. I went and sat down beside the modem, and I said, well, surely if I'm beside the modem, it'll reach it. Well, it didn't solve the problem, so I ran a network diagnosis. That's just a, a, a fancy term. I don't even know what it means. I am not a technician. I just followed the instructions on my computer screen, plugged my computer in through an Ethernet, so I was now really connected to the Internet. And um, I still had a connectivity problem. I couldn't connect. I, I couldn't get anywhere. And so the message came up to phone my internet provider, and my kids are in the background saying, Mom, the problem is with you and your computer because we're on the internet and we have no issues at all. I says, well, you might be, and that might be true, but I've done everything this computer has told me to do, and I can't connect, and it says I'm out of reach. And I'm right beside it. So I phoned the internet provider and uh, they do what they do and that's restart your modem well I had already done that three times and that didn't do anything on my end so I wasn't confident in them once they decided to restart my modem and they said if this doesn't work please call us back well I gave them their 10 minutes that they wanted and and I did everything all over again and guess what it didn't work and so guess what I did I called them back and I sat on the phone with a very, very polite, I'm going to say he's a young man, he could be an old man, just with a young voice. And he walked me through every step imaginable to ratify this issue of being connected to the internet, but not being able to reach the internet. He was even able to see my computer online. He was able to see that there was a Logos computer but I couldn't get anything. And so he says to me, ma'am, the problem is with your computer. And so I was already told this emphatically by my kids. And um, after two and a half hours, I politely, you know, just ended that call, hung up the phone, and I was really, really frustrated to the end of all. And he said to me just before... Uh, we close the call. He says, are your firewall settings on? Are your firewall settings on? I says, no, there, this, this has nothing to do with my firewall. I've checked all that. That's all fine. He says, well, um, I, can't, I can't help you any further than what I have had, what I've done. And so, God bless you. Goodbye. Ciao. Adios. I shall not see you or hear of you ever again. Bye-bye. And I, and I hung up the phone, and I, and I called 911 Joshua Belfort. <laughs> it seems to be the thing everybody does at Logos. So I thought, why not get on the bandwagon? And I said, Joshua, um, I, I can't get on my, my computer. I, and, and I told him, and as I'm telling him, he goes, Mel, you remember yesterday I told you, I'm thinking, oh dear Jesus, do I remember yesterday? Do you remember yesterday I told you that if you had a problem with your computer, to give me a call? 
I said, Joshua, I don't even remember you saying anything, but sure, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? And, and I kid you not, within seconds, uh, this crazy computer was fixed. <laughs> I want to ask you today, have you forgotten what is preventing you from seeing that you have a spiritual firewall while I'm using that term, firewall is what protects us on the internet from certain things, and that in the end was not my problem at all at all, but it certainly lended to me coming to this title for today, your firewall settings. Sometimes we forget that there is a firewall setting around our life that will protect us. A firewall setting that has been established by God to be around and about us. And we go about our lives not even giving acknowledgement to it more often than not. And today we are going to look at Zechariah. Zechariah 2 verse 5 says, And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. So Zechariah served as a prophet of Judah. He served after they had returned from their time of exile and they were um, attempting to rebuild the, the temple under the governance of Zerubbabel. But unfortunately, they were depressed because in all of their efforts, they were not compared, the, uh, in all of the efforts of building this temple, this temple did not compare to the splendor of the temple of Solomon. And we know that because in Ezra 3 verse 12, it says this, but many of the priests and the Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid though many shouted aloud for joy. See, the older men, the old, those of the former generation who saw the glory of Solomon's temple and saw it in all of its splendor, when they now saw this new temple being erected, it was nothing compared to what Solomon's temple was. And within them was a sadness. Within them was a discouragement. And so now this new temple had come to a place where it had come to a stop and Zechariah wanted to lift up the hearts of the people. He wanted to encourage the people, despite what you are seeing, despite what you are seeing, God is at work. He wants to build up their faith and he comes to bring them a prophetic message. And Zechariah 1 verse 3 says, Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Return to me, and I will return to you. Perhaps in a moment, we could take a moment, we could just look back pre-COVID. Pre-COVID to some of the services that we would have here and pews would be filled and people would be worshiping God. Pre-COVID when we would have guest speakers come in and we would see the hand of God moving upon people. And then now we have come out of COVID bondage per se and we have found ourselves back in the house of God and yet there still seems to be in this rebuilding stage in this coming backstage there still seems to be somewhat of a different look somewhat of a what has happened Maybe a discouragement for some. And for others, like in Ezra uh, 3 that was indicated, some were filled with joy because others come to the house of God and it doesn't matter what they see going on around them. They are just there to engage with their Savior. They're just there to worship their God. But yet there are those that look back at the former things and remember the glory of the former house. And so... 
Zachariah wanting to motivate the hearts of the people in restarting this building of the temple, he shares another word of the Lord from Zechariah 4, verse 8 through 10. And he said, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel. I like how the New Living Translation says, verse 10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work. So Zechariah wanted the people to know, the Lord has not forgotten you. He's at work in your midst. He's preparing for you a coming Messiah. Don't be discouraged. There is one who is coming and he will restore Israel. There is one who is coming and he will make all things right. There is one who is coming and he will be the greater splendor than the house that you are building. So stand strong, O people of Israel. He's wanting to build them up. I want to declare to you today that even though we may be in times of discouragement, even though we may be in times of despair, God is working out his plan. He hasn't stopped working out his plan. When everything around you may seem to have come to a halt, Lord, why is it my life going anywhere? Why do I seem to be stuck in neutral? I want to go forward. I want to experience life. I want to experience marriage. I want to finish university. I want to finish high school. God, I want to find that perfect job. God, I want, and, and we seem to feel as though we are just held in this place and we're not going forwards and we're not going backwards. We're just left there in that neutral place God is still working out his plan for your life because his plan will never fail in Romans 8 and 28 it says he works all things together for our good for what for those who are called according to his purposes he is working out his plan whether or not you see it God is working out his plan in every detail of your life he protects us. He guides us. But we must trust in his plan and follow in his ways. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. Oh, you might have a bucket list. Ever hear of a bucket list? The best place for a bucket list is in the bucket. Because you might make your plans. You might have everything jotted down exactly how you want it to go. By the age of 25, I will this. By the age of 28, I will that. By the age of 34, this and that will be done. I will have accomplished this and that. By the time I'm 40, I plan to be settled with this amount in the bank account. You can have all of that planned and exactly so, but it is the plans of the Lord and the purposes of the Lord that will prevail. Have you forgotten your spiritual firewall? Have you forgotten your spiritual firewall? Turn to Zechariah chapter 2. And this is our key verses that we will be looking at. I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. And then I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. 
And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, Run! Say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. Zechariah sees this man with a measuring line. He has a measuring stick and he's going around Jerusalem. Now, this may seem to you as a strange sight, but yet it is a confirmation to what the Lord has already declared to them in Zechariah 1, verse 16, when he said, Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. So now for Zechariah to have this vision of a man with a measuring line and going about and he's measuring the depth and the length and the width and he's and and, and Zechariah is seeing this it is letting us know that right before us the confirmation of what God spoke in chapter 1 is being fulfilled. The confirmation that there will be a line stretched out over Jerusalem is actually taking place. They are one step closer to their restoration. So we, when we see this man with the measuring line, we can have hope that restoration is coming. Have you ever stood in honesty before the Lord and said, Lord, measure my heart, measure my ways, Measure my words, O God. Lord, is how I live giving glory and bringing glory to your name? Are the words that I'm speaking in right measure to your word, O God? Are the thoughts that I'm thinking in right measure to what your word says about me? Sometimes we have to be that measuring man before the Lord where we allow him to search the depth of our hearts, the breath of our hearts, and allow him to see introspective into us, not as though he cannot see, but that we have given him permission that whatever you see that is not of you, I give you the permission just restore it, O oh God. Remove it, uproot it, and restore it, O oh God. Restore my temple to be a place for your glory. And so this man is going about the streets and he is measuring Jerusalem. Now at the end of my street is a field. If you went, if you go down my driveway and you turn right and you drive not even 100 meters, you're going to see a field upon field upon field upon field. If you turn right, you're going to see fields. Am I right? It's true. Fields. It's nice. You can go for a walk. You can have some nice chats with God. But here's the depressing thing. They put a for sale sign on those fields. They put a for sale sign. that They've been there as long as I lived in that neighborhood. I moved in that neighborhood when I was 12. I'm in the family house. I won't tell you how old I am, but it's many years ago. Many years ago. And so I've always seen these fields. And to see that there's a for sale sign up, it discouraged me because I knew that something would change. And so it wasn't long before that for sale sign became sold. And now there's going to be a redevelopment going in there. There will be a rezoning going in. How do I know? Because the surveyors have gone out. And they have surveyed the land to rezone it from farming fields, from what once housed cows, what once housed, housed um, soy and corn and alfalfa and strawberries. And from year to year, they were cash crops that people can have or 
that farmers would uh, put their, their uh, fields in and they would change. But now I know something else is going to take place. It will no longer be a field because why? There's been a surveyor. There has been somebody that has come. And so it will be posted that this land has been surveyed and the city will decide on what it's going to be rezoned for. This surveyor has come in to Jerusalem and he is measuring the area because he is going to rezone it for the building of the temple. But there is something greater that is happening here that we don't want to miss. Who is this man with the measuring line? Who is this man that is going about surveying the land, wondering if it will be wide enough, deep enough, large enough? for the temple that is to be built. I believe that this is a divine messenger. I believe that this man is a pre-incarnate of the Christ. I believe that this man is none other than the second person of the Trinity. I believe that it is a foreshadowing of Jesus going about. Why do I think that? Because in Zechariah 6, verse 12, it says this, And say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch. For he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of of the Lord. This confirms to me that this man that is surveying the land, this man with the measuring line is a picture of Jesus Christ. And he is surveying to prepare the temple. But brothers and sisters, this isn't just any temple. This isn't just any temple that he is preparing for. Zacharias says, where are you going? And he says to me to measure Jerusalem to see what is its width and what is its length. Why does he need to see what is its width and what is its length? To see if it could hold the multitudes that will come in to that place. You see, if you begin to enter into the vision of Zechariah, you could see the vision of God that he has. Because he wants to be sure that it will hold the multitudes of people that will come to that place because this master builder this foreshadowing of the christ is not just looking to the expansion of the temple that they were going to build he is looking to the expansion of the temple that he is building for us it is a picture of that New Jerusalem that he is going to establish. Did not Jesus say to us in John 14, verse 3, that I go to prepare a place for you, and if it were not so, I would not say, but I am preparing a place for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be dismayed. Believe in me. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't be saying it. I am preparing a place. And this Christ who is preparing a place has come to this Jerusalem and he is surveying the land. Is it prepared? Is it big enough to host all those that are going to come in? Why? Because he said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, Go and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. And so this Christ who has come to measure this land, and he's he's going on click, 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 click with his measuring wheel. Click, 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 click. And he's measuring the land. Will it be able to house the many souls that are going to come in? The many that will come into the harvest. Will it be able to house those that are coming into my kingdom? Not just the kingdom that these are understanding. Not just these, oh Judah. Not just this temple that you are making of your hands. But Judah, this is a picture of the temple that I'm building. Will it be able to house those? Will it be able to accommodate them? 
the angel was speaking to Zechariah and he was explaining to him and interpreting to him what was happening. And while he's in, in, interpreting things, another angel comes. And verse 3 says this, And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, Run and say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. Did not Isaiah say in chapter 54, verses 2 and 3, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will be people, the desolate cities. Isaiah 60 verse 4, lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together, they come to you, your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. God is letting them know, this. there's a greater picture than this temple that you're worried about building. You're looking to build something that looks something like what Solomon had, but it will compare to the, the splendor of Solomon, nor will it compare to what I am preparing for you. But Jerusalem, get ready. Get ready because the multitudes will come in. The blessings of the Lord will come in. The prosperity of this desolate place will be restored to the land. Get your strength, get your tent peg strength. Break down the walls. Fasten your stakes. Get your foundation set deep. Know in what you believe. Know in who you believe. Jerusalem, get ready. People of God, get ready. There will be an infusion of souls, an influx of souls. There will be those that will come into the kingdom of God. There will be those in these last days that will come in and believe in the Lord as their Savior. Why? Because he has commissioned us just because he gave the commission to his disciples. It does not mean that the commission ceased to be in existence come our day. That commission goes for you and I. Go forth into all nations and preach the gospel. Start telling people Jesus is alive. Amen. Jesus is the savior. Amen. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is your hope. Let me tell you about this man named Jesus who I believed in and who changed me and who reformed me and made me a brand new person. Let me tell you that he heals. Let me tell you of the sickness that I once had, but God delivered me of. Let me tell you in a time when I was desperate and seeking him for employment and he provided for me. And as you go forward, and you begin to tell the people of your story and what Jesus has done in your life. Amen. The opportunity of the gospel goes forth because there is plenty of room in the place that the Lord is preparing for us. He has already gone before and he has measured the place. He knows the exact dimensions. In Luke chapter 14, it speaks of a great banquet. And many of those that were invited to this banquet weren't coming for various reasons and such as us today. Well, I didn't go to church today because it was raining. Well, you know, this and that. I almost didn't make it on time today. No word of a lie. I spilled coffee on my shirt while driving here and I can't get up, God forbid, in front of you all with a great big coffee stain down the front of my shirt and I turned around and went back and changed. <laughs> it could have been a great excuse, Pastor Julio. Would you cover the fort? 
I can't make it today. I spilled some coffee. And so many guests are invited to this great banquet, but many have excuses as to why they're not coming. And Jesus, the servant comes to Jesus in verse 22, and he says, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, but there is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Compel people to come in. Sometimes people are not attracted to your church because you haven't compelled them to come. There's something in your life that is not compelling them to come. There is other times because people... I didn't even know you were a Christian. My daughter sat next to an individual who, is, who happened to be her sergeant. Um, and uh, so she's sitting in church and she's looking at him. She's thinking, he looks familiar. So she really took a good look at him and she's like, it's my sergeant. And after the service, she said to him, so do I call you Sarge? from in church or can I call you by name and he looked at her and he goes oh I didn't recognize you sometimes when we are out and about we she had no idea that this man went to church she had no idea that her sergeant went to church sometimes we're not compelling people there should be a radiance of God flowing from us that is a compelling. I want to have coffee with you. I want, I want to know more about you. When I was in nursing, one of my instructors wanted to go on break with me on, uh, while we were having clinical. Melody, I want to go on break with you. What time's your break at? I was like, ooh, I want to go on break with my my prof that's just ugh. so I, I i i told him and we went on break and he was asking me all sorts of questions about my home life about my parents about my upbringing about my church what i did in the church and so forth and so on and i was sitting there wondering for the longest time why is he asking all these questions i came to find out he, he was an iman in, in, in our local city. So he was the head of the Muslim group in, in, in our local city. You know when I learned that? Many years later, when I was doing Bible studies in our high school, and I had a young man come to our, our uh, Bible study, and he would sit, and I just was compelled to speak to him. And I says, what draws you here? He says, well, it's the only place that I could sit and, and just be at peace and think, and, I, and I'm interested in what you're, you're teaching. And I says, well, where are you from? What do you do? And, and I come to learn he went to this, um, forgive me for calling it wrong, the, the, the Muslim, I'm going to say church, mosque, thank you, thank you. It was there in my head, but it wasn't in my lips. And so he was attending it, and his iman was my former instructor. And I said, Lord, you have brought this full circle. You have brought this full circle. What are you compelling people to do? During COVID, every measure was made that we could fit as many people as we could under the restrictions that we were given. Why? Because we wanted people to know, if you want to be in the house of God, we have a place for you. We have a seat for you. And so Pastor Julio and Pastor Helen and Pastor Josh came in, and they came in with their measuring. And if you remember, we had this very fancy-looking white thing that went down the center of our aisles that would mark you could sit to the left or you could sit to the right. And pews were marked off accordingly because we wanted to make sure that everyone who wanted to come, everyone who was desirous to come, had a place that they could worship do we have a, 
uh, have faith today to tap into the vision of what Zachariah is seeing when he sees this man with a measuring line and he's not seeing a man measuring to prepare for that earthly temple, but he is seeing a man, a divine man, a pre-incarnate picture of the Christ, a, a, the second man of the Trinity. He is seeing none other than I believe the Son of God. And he is come to prepare for us for that new Jerusalem because that is a promise for us. We tend to erect barriers. We tend to put parameters on our scope of outreach. Well, that's not the type of person I am. I'm just not like that. I'd rather keep it to myself. I'd, I'd rather, you know, um, yeah, I'll save that for Johnny. I'll save that for Susie. But there's a life-changing message in every person that God has planted you around you have an opportunity to impact for Christ. May we never erect a barrier to our expansion. You know what happened to these children of Judah? Mind you, it was 50 years later, and Nebuchadnezzar was doing what? He was re-erecting the, the wall of Jerusalem. Do you know why that wall 50 years later was being re-erected? because they went back in that place of not serving the Lord. They went back in that place of complacency. You see, when we go back in the place of complacency, when we go back, the, the, in Zechariah 1 it says, return to me, return to me and I will return to you. Right? When we go back to that place of our former ways, of our former rebellion, what happens is walls begin to be built up. Walls begin to be built up that cannot be penetrated. Why? Because we need to have this sense of protection around us. Well, he's hurt me one too many times, and so I'm going to brick by brick build my wall to protect myself from ever being wounded again, from ever being hurt again. So many people have disappointed me. Another brick on the wall. And so now I'm not going to trust anyone. Least I be disappointed again. Oh, well, I've traveled down this road road before and this is what happens oh another brick on the wall and so we have brick upon brick building walls around our heart and Nehemiah 50 years later is restoring the wall of Jerusalem but not for the reason of protection per se but because the people did not walk in their repentance because had they have walked in their repentance there would be no need for the wall May our salvation be alive today as it was the day we first met Jesus. Do you remember the day you met Jesus and he forgave you? You remember the day you asked Jesus to be your savior and you surrendered your life to him? What you felt inside? Do you recall that day when you met the Christ? And what happened to you in your life the days following when you couldn't get enough of his word, when you couldn't sing his songs enough, when you couldn't praise his name enough? And then what happened little by little by little by little? Disappointments, frustrations, anger, anxieties all began to crept in and walls began to build up. The city walls would keep people from coming in and charging them, enemy from attacking them. And so we want to build our own walls, but God has a solution for his city, and God has a solution for you and I. He said in verse 5, bless you, and I will be to her a wall of fire around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in 
her midst. God had promised to bring so many people to Jerusalem. God knew the influx of the people that would come, but the effects of the wall would not matter to God. He did not need these walls. These walls would be torn down because he would be that wall. They could trust in him as their protector. He would be the wall that would protect them from the enemy. He would be the wall that would protect them from the influence of the enemy saying, Eve, do you see this fruit? Yes, that is from the tree of good and knowledge that we're not to eat of. Oh, but did God really say that, Eve? And casting doubts in your mind. But just as God put an angel at the east gate in the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword, the sword of the Spirit, standing there protecting the garden from any more of, of what the enemy had come in to do, so he has an angel posted over your life. Just as Moses while he was walking and he sees before him a burning bush and he is captivated by this burning bush and he draws himself to it and as he draws himself to it he sees that this bush is on fire it is engulfed and yet is not burning and he is captivated by that and he hears the voice of the Lord as he turns away and, he, and God says to him Moses, Moses and he says yes Lord here am I in Exodus chapter 3 and the the Lord says to him, Moses, remove your sandals because the ground you are standing on is holy ground. Why? Because the presence of the Lord was there with Moses. Just as the presence of the Lord was staked at the house of God, at the gate of the Garden of Eden. Why? Because where there is a fire of God, there is a presence of God. And so here is Moses removing his sandals that he would see the very fire of God in that bush, but yet the bush did not burn. It was consumed, but it did not burn. The children of Israel, when they were going about in the wilderness, in Exodus chapter 13, and as they're walking about in the wilderness, around and around and around they went. At night, how were they protected? By a pillar of cloud. And while they're going around and during the day, a pillar of cloud so that they would not be scorched by the heat of the sun. Oh, but at night, how did, the God, how did God demonstrate his presence to them? The very same fire that was in the sword, the very same fire that was in the bush, this very same fire is now the fire of God that is present with them as a pillar of fire protecting them from the cool of the night, leading them as their journey. This is the, the children of Israel. And then what happens in Exodus chapter 40? I think it's verse 38. When the, when the presence of the Lord shows up in the temple of God, in the tabernacle of God, there's none other than the evidence of the fire of God in that temple that Moses was not even able to enter in. Why? Because the temple of God was filled with what? The fire of God and the glory of the Lord was in that place. Children of God, today can't we see? We may not see a visible fire before us today, but there is a firewall of security around and about us. There is a God who has built a firewall around you and I. Did not, did, did not the, uh, the three amigos, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were they not cast into the fire when they would not bow to Nebuchadnezzar's golden um, image in Daniel chapter 3? And when they were thrown into that fire in Daniel chapter 3, it says in verse 19 that the, that the fire was increased seven times higher and when that fire was increased seven times fire brother it didn't even singe the hair on their head they did not they didn't even burn the skin that was on them if you are near the fire when i open my stove and i should have mascara on 
I can barely blink for the sake of the heat that has come from that stove. Now imagine being in the fiery pit. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in, and what does he see? I think it's verse 25. He says, wait a second, wait a second. Did we not just throw three men in there? Oh, yes, 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 king. Oh, yes, king Nebuchadnezzar. We only threw three into the fiery pit. But I see a fourth man in. And this fourth man has the appearance of that of the Son of God. Why? Because he is with us in the fire. Tabitha, he is with us in the fire. He has a wall of fire around and about us. It doesn't mean that we won't be cast into the fire. It means that when we are in the fire, he will be the fourth man in the fire with us. It doesn't mean that we won't be in a place like Moses where we will have to remove our sandals because the presence of God is so rich and so thick that we in our human flesh cannot stand before it. And so we would see ourselves either prostrate. We would see ourselves honoring that holiness. Because why? The fire of God is present. It, does, it means that when we are going about in our journeys of life, And circumstances make life just a little too difficult for us to bear. And the desert of our lives make it just feel so mundane. We just keep going about day in, day out. We can know and trust that there will be a pillar. In the darkness of our nights, there will be a pillar of fire that will lead us and that will guide us. Why? Because he will be the fire around her. And he will be the glory in our midst. Did not Elisha see a circle of chariots when the enemies was coming upon them in in 2 Kings chapter 16. And he says, oh Lord, you know, let let this young man see what I see. And, and, And God said to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This is Elijah speaking to him. Then Elijah prayed and he said, Lord, Please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. When the enemy is crouching in on you, when the enemy is crouching in on you, you may not see it, but you may have to ask God, let me see your chariots of fire that are warring in the heavenlies right now, that are around and about my situation right now. Oh, that I may see your chariots, oh God, warring over me. You see, God is in the fire. God is there, and he's saying through Zechariah, Zechariah, I'm speaking to you now. I'm giving you a vision now to share to these people, to encourage them and exhort them in their time of discouragement while they are in a place of rebuilding this temple. Oh, but Zechariah, this vision that I'm giving you is not just for this people today. Oh, Zechariah, it's for 2022. When my people come back out of the COVID restraints, when my people come back and they have to rebuild the church, And they have to rebuild and they have to go out into the communities and they have to rebuild what I have put before them to prepare for the many that I am drawing into my house. Because Zechariah, the vision is not for now, but yet it's for something that is to come. Because I will come again. I will come again. Jesus is coming again. He's not just there twiddling his tongues. He will come again. He is our soon coming king. Get ready. Get ready. The Lord is surveying the land. 
I believe right now we are in a time where he is surveying. Is the measurement just so? Are the people ready? I know there's one more here, one more there. There's a couple hundred there. There's just a few more to come in, Father. There's just a few more to come in. He is surveying the land. He is preparing to come, and he will come and break through. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for the day that he will come? John 1 and 14, we said it last week. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what? We beheld his glory. Glory as only the Son from the Father, full of grace. He's coming. He will establish his new Jerusalem, the holy city. And we have the fire of his presence as the proof of it. Because he has promised, I will be a fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Physical walls can be climbed. I can climb a physical wall. I could put a bomb under a physical wall and break that wall down. No matter how high the wall may be, no matter how fortified and strong that wall may be, But the wall of the Lord, the wall of fire of God cannot be penetrated. Cannot be penetrated. Proverbs 18 say, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and are saved. There is nothing that could penetrate the fire of God. When it is in our life, when it is around our life, there is nothing that can penetrate the fire of God. For he will be a fire around us and he will be the inner glory dwelling within us. Why? Because the Lord himself will be more than a wall of protection. More than a wall of protection. He promises his personal presence. His personal presence. The glory in our midst is none other than the kabod of God. The weightiness of his presence in our life. His ever abiding presence. Do you have a spiritual firewall? around you this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I want us to reflect on this. Because it seems that we take church as a place where we can be pumped up and filled up, but very seldom do we go out and empty out. Oh, give me my energy pills for today. Let me get my glory, hallelujah, feel goods. But we don't go out and take that to the community that is around us. The Lord has the multitudes to come in. When the children of Israel were told that the multitudes and the cattle and the livestock were coming in, it was a demonstration that Jerusalem would be filled again with people. It was a demonstration. These livestock was a demonstration that his provision was going to be made for them. For the multitudes to come in, for this house to house the many souls that the Lord desires to bring into it, he will provide for that. He will provide for that, and he's going to use you to go out and be that witness. So I have a couple questions that I want you to think about this morning. Where's your firewall security at? Where's your firewall security at? You see, if you're really believing God today, the circumstances that are happening around you should not be shaking you so much so that it's changing your attitude, that it's changing who you are as an individual. If so, then your firewall security has not been properly established. Because if he's going to be the wall of fire around you and the glory that is within you, then everything that should radiate from you 
would be the representation of who Jesus is. Love, forgiveness, honor, respect. Oh, sometimes we fail because we're flesh and blood. Sometimes we lose our cool. Sometimes we lose our anger and we, we flare up at everybody. I'm not afraid to admit that it happens to me. And that's where we have to go to God and say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't represent you today. I represented me, my flesh. Your firewall security had a hole in it. So maybe today, for you, the altar represents something where you could just go before the Lord and say, God, strengthen my firewall security because too much of the flesh is bleeding through. Too much of me, the old me, is coming out. I don't like it, God. I need the firewall security reinforced by you. Maybe the altar call for you today is a different kind of breach in the firewall security. Maybe you have been hurt and wounded so many times. Maybe you have been damaged so many times. People have disappointed you so many times. The walls of your heart have brick upon brick, layer upon layer. That need to be broken through. That's where the fire of God, the firewall security needs to come in. Because you need to say, oh God, dismantle every brick, brick by brick, every brick of distrust, every big brick of bitterness, every brick of brokenness and hurt, every brick of envy. God, tear brick by brick down. Every brick of jealousy. God, tear them all out of me. Let your firewall of security be around and about you. May I trust you. That man won't hurt me because you will protect me. May I trust you that instead of being envious of those that are around, that I could be secure and happy in all that you have provided for me. May I trust in you that even when I forgive those that have hurt me, those who have wounded me, those who have regularly abused me, I'm not releasing them as much as I'm releasing myself in you. God, entomb the firewall security around my heart that I fully trust in you and I break down the walls that I have made, that I have made. Maybe that's your altar this morning. Maybe that's how you would respond. Perhaps the firewall that is around you reminds you of the call that God has over your life. Reminds you of the call of the many that God wants to speak through through you. And so the firewall around your life is knowing that wherever you go, he will be the fire in your midst. Wherever your journey will take you, he will be the fire that hovers around you. Because he is our consuming fire. You can surrender your life to his call. The call you've been fighting. Oh, once I get my bank account at this place then I'll surrender myself to the will of God and serve him for now I just need to pay bills for now I just need to survive but there is a burning in your heart because God put a call in you from when you were young and so the firewall to you is to restore at the altar God I surrender that you could be the fire around and about me as I go into the communities and I share what you have given me. As the worship team leads us, I invite you to come. If you're watching online, I invite you to make your living room, your bedroom, your recliner chair, your altar. 
Maybe I haven't mentioned what your need for the altar is, but you recognize that there's a vision in Zariah. You have, excuse me, Zechariah, you have tapped into what he saw, and you see the greater picture of this soon coming king, and you want to come and worship. The altar is large enough and big enough to house what you bring to it today. These are just examples that the Lord placed on my heart to share with you, but maybe there is something in your heart that you need to respond. Obedience brings a blessing. Let's start by responding to the Word of God. As they are singing, start by coming. Start by being obedient to the voice of God in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
come to the altar and only God knows the uh, transactions that he's doing in their lives and what they are laying on the altar before him and it's none of our business it's the business of God but what is our business to worship him what is our business to invite his presence to by the singing of our praises I invite those that have lingered behind to come maybe not even to respond at anything that was said but just to get out of your pew and to worship God because something happens when the praises go up something happens when we begin to seek his face something happens before you go home today before you leave this place today be sure that you have set apart that worship to God that surrenderance to him God that I would be like Zachariah that I would see the vision that you have the vision of the temple that you are preparing that you are going to build may I look with anticipation Lord of the day of you coming I invite you to come and just worship God